welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor De Monte, the senior pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. This morning we're going to look at an interesting topic on debtors and offenders. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And so this is a famous passage of scripture that sometimes we quote by heart. In Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 15, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. This is Jesus' model for how to pray. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So the first thing that we learn about prayer is that we relate to God as our Heavenly Father. In verse 10, Jesus teaches us that we need to pray and trust God for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus said His will to be done on earth, it's talking about our lives. So our lives must revolve around the will of God being established on earth. God's will in our lives on, these, on this earth. And the standard is as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is nothing lacking. In heaven, there's an atmosphere of peace, joy, acceptance, belonging. And our lives must reflect His will being established in our lives. In verse 11, we pray that God will, our Heavenly Father, will meet our daily needs. But today we're going to focus on verse 12, which deals with debtors, and verse 14, that deals with the offenders. Our greatest challenge in our Christian life is learning to relate with these two kinds of people, debtors and offenders. If we don't learn to handle the debtors and the offenders in a godly way, then the quality of our Christian life will be compromised. We will miss out on what God has in store for us. This is what Jesus said in verse 12, that our Heavenly Father would forgive us our debts. Now, what is a debt? A debt is something you owe somebody. As we forgive our debtors, so God will forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I'm going to ask Charles here to come up in front to explain what it means. Now this is a hundred rupee note. And if I give this to Charles as a gift, is he my debtor? No. Why? Because I've given him the gift, no strings attached. It's a gift. And so Charles is happy. But then when Charles is in need, and then I tell him, I will help you out by giving this 100 rupees, but you owe this back to me. Does he become a debtor? 
Yes. Now, if I had one crore of rupees and I told Charles to buy me a home, and he fails to do that, what does he owe me? What does he owe me? No, he doesn't owe me one crore. He owes me a home. Because I entrusted him with one crore to buy a home. When he falls short of that, he becomes my debtor. He's a debtor. He owes me a home because he's taken the money for it. Thank you very much. Now, in the same way Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our debts. And as we ask God to forgive us our debts, we are forgiving our debtors. You know, we help people in our time of need, and we say a common statement, you owe me one. We've all said that. We've said it jokingly. We've said it seriously. You owe me one. And the reason why we say that is because when you go through a time of need, you're hoping that they will bail you out of trouble. You owe me one. When someone owes you something, they become your debtor. You hold them and say, you got to repay me a debt. What is that debt? Kindness, mercy, goodness, financial help, whatever. You hold them as a debtor. When we relate with people, we think it is our right that others should respect us. That's our debt. Others must pay us respect. Others must show us kindness. And if they don't, we're very upset and angry. So when you come to church, you expect people to love you. If they don't, he's my debtor. You come to church with an expectation that everyone will be kind and, and will greet you. And if they don't, you hold them as debtors. I came, they never loved me, they never greeted me, they never helped me. And somehow our debtors list is very long. Because we feel it is our right to demand or to have an unspoken expectation of how other people must relate with us. Isn't that true? And this is very common with husband and wives. And I'm, I'm glad we had that video. An ideal example of what debtors are. Husbands have an unspoken expectation that the wife will keep the house clean, the food will be cooked, everything will be well, and he will be respected. That's the unspoken expectation. When he, the wife fails to meet that expectation, you're hurt, you're angry, and he says, I'm upset with you. Why? Debt. You're not paid the, your debt. And it's the same with the wife. The wife says, oh, you should have woke me up in the morning, brought my bed coffee. You should have spoke kindly. And when I, I come home from work, you should be the one who's coming and saying, I will help you make dinner. And if you don't do it, the wife holds you as a... Say the word, debtor, you owe me. So what starts off with a good relationship, by the end of few years, we have two debtors angry with one another. You owe me, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. You owe me kindness, you owe me generosity, you owe me some service. This not only happens in the context of our marriage relationship, it happens between parents and children. Children tell their parents, why did you bring me into this world? Now it's your right to provide for me. It's your right to buy this for me. So much of our life revolves around our rights. We demand our rights. We expect others to fulfill what we need. And we say it's our right. And if they don't get their, their needs met, they get angry. Parents to children, 
Parents have high expectation of their children. If the child doesn't behave or do something which is according to their unspoken or expectation, the parents hold them as debtors. You didn't do this, so you're punished. What about our friends? Oh, we have a lot of friends who are debtors. Oh, my birthday, you never wished me. I won't wish you on your birthday. I'll hold you, you're a debtor. I called you home. I gave you a five-course meal. Five years have gone. Not once you called me to have a cup of coffee also. So what do you've done? You added to your debtors list one more name. And somehow we live life with these unspoken expectation from people. And when it comes to relatives, let's not talk much about it. It's a, that's a dangerous one. But because of this, we are held in captivity. Because we are not willing to release our debtors, God says, I will not release your debt. It's only when you forgive the debtors, you release them from your heart. You begin to be gracious and merciful, and God says, your debt will be wiped out. What is it that we owe God? It is not that we owe God for what we receive freely, but it, we become debtors because we fail to give freely what we have received. I'm going to read that out again for you to make a note of it. We are debtors before God, not because we have received freely from Him, but because we have failed to give freely what we have received. Now, we all receive forgiveness free of cost. God forgives us. God loves us unconditionally. God accepts us. God is merciful. Now, God doesn't hold us as debtors because of what we received. He holds us as debtors with regards to what we give. Everything in our Christian life is nothing but the grace of God given freely to us. But along with everything we receive free comes with one word. Who would like to guess that one word? Say the word responsibility. That was a very sad response. Responsibility. I know you don't like responsibility, but nevertheless it's true. What is it that comes with along with it? We all like to have a clean house, but someone else must clean the house. We all like to have a nice car, but someone must maintain it. I like the one with pets. You want a pet, but the father must take it out for a walk. The father, the mother must clean the mess. But I will play with the pet, but responsibility is yours. It's a reflection of how human beings are made. We are made to indulge in privileges, but shirk responsibility. Something that we all have a tendency for. So we become debtors, not because of what we receive, but we become debtors before God because we fail to give what we receive. When you don't give mercy, give forgiveness, give grace from what we received, God holds you as a debtor. That making sense to you? Don't be too tense. We're all debtors here, including me. So relax. I hope the peace of God comes upon you right now. And you're not squirming in your seat. But this is a trap that we fall in time and again. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22. It says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. We're not destroyed. Because as compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our Heavenly Father is extremely merciful, extremely forgiving, extreme, extremely gracious. But He wants us 
to be givers of that mercy, that forgiveness, and that grace. Very often, we are like that wicked servant that Jesus spoke about in the story, Matthew chapter 18, verse 24. Now, if you've done the encounter weekend, you would have seen this dramatized and uh, spoken about or in the conference. But nevertheless, I want to bring out an important aspect of what Jesus was saying. In Matthew 18, 14, 24, the Bible says that the master returned from his journey and he began to settle accounts with a servant and one of the servants owed him. One of them owed the master. How much? Can you say that together? How much? 10,000 talents is no small amount. It's a huge sum of money. Why did the master forgive him? Let's look at the next verse. So the servant fell down before the master saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. He was willing to commit himself to clear the loan. The master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. How nice to have a boss like that. Moved with compassion, the master says, you don't have to pay me back that money. 10,000 talents, I, I'm compassionate and I write it off. Look at what happens to this servant. But the servant goes out and finds one of the fellow servants who owed him how much? 100, 100. How much did he get cleared from? 10,000. He catches a fellow church member for 100 rupees, 100 denarii, lays his hands. This is not the ministry of laying on our hands, by the way. He lays his hands, takes him by his throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Oh, he's a debtor. You owe me how much? Hundred dirham. You know, we understand it well in terms of money. But when it comes to attitude, we need a little driving it home. Let's look at what the master said to the fellow servant. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you. And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers to be tormented until he paid all that was due to him. What did that servant owe? What did he owe? 10,000 denarii he owed. Master cleared it. What did his fellow servant owe him? No. What did he owe him? No. Not 100 denarii. He owed him compassion. That's why Jesus says, you experience compassion. Shouldn't you have had compassion and mercy? It was not the money that mattered. It was the compassion that mattered. It was not the amount that mattered. It was the attitude of being merciful and pitiful towards the servant. The servant, his fellow servant, bowed down, pleaded with him, but he had no compassion. Just take someone next to you. That's all. Just slightly. Just, and smile. Don't say a word. Just, the message will be communicated. Just by touch. How often we've been that wicked servant. Having all our sins forgiven. Cancelled our debt. But we catch a church member and say, you owe me forgiveness. Till you say sorry, I will be your enemy. Oh, you're dead. You received mercy, but you catch someone else and you say, I'm not going to give you mercy. You need to work. You, need, you don't deserve mercy. 
And we fall into the trap of being a wicked servant. Not because we fail to receive compassion, but because we fail to give compassion. That is the debt we owe before God. That's the debt. And that's the debt the fellow servant owed to the master. Having received compassion and mercy, canceled his debt, the master says, shouldn't you have had that same compassion and mercy to your fellow servant? And since he didn't, he was a debtor. And what kind of a debtor? He has to pay back now 10,000 denarii. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, Jesus nails the story by saying this. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. For you it's a trespass. He should have taken care of you, didn't take care of you. As a child, he should have done it. As a spouse, he or she should have done it, didn't. And God is saying, shouldn't you also be merciful towards them? Every blessing we receive from God is freely given. But we are never free from the responsibility of what is given to us. I'd like you to write it down. Worth keeping that statement. Every blessing you receive from God is freely given. But we are never free from the responsibility of what was given to you. Never free. And God holds us responsible for every blessing he's given to you. And there are other stories in the Bible that talks about it. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13 verse 8. Owe no one anything. Don't owe anyone anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So the only debt we have towards one another is love. And the Bible is saying here, apart from love, don't be a debtor to someone else. Love does not harm, does no harm to our neighbor. Therefore, love is, is the fulfillment of the law. When we begin to love, because we receive love, we fulfill the law, we fulfill God's standard. One of the ways we could live life free from being hurt, free from being disappointed, is to have very little expectation from people. You have great expectations from God and little expectation from people. Can I hear an amen? Because the greater your expectation from people, the bigger your disappointment and the worse you will be hurt. The minimum expectation from people, the greater your gratitude. Hello? You're very quiet this morning. Holy Spirit is working. I understand. But I realize life becomes less complicated when you have little expectation. Doesn't matter. All that matters before God is not how much other people owe us. It's what's your responsibility to other people. When we stand before God, God wouldn't, God wouldn't judge us or won't judge us according to how much we received. He will judge us by how much we have given. How responsible you have been with the blessings that he's given us. And I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm just talking about the well-being of life. 
the the recipe being recipients of his goodness his grace his kindness his faithfulness how much of a steward you been to what we have received from god everything god is to you he expects you to be to other people that's how the kingdom will operate if we learn to live this way we will break the vicious circle of hatred how does how do we deal with the offenses now jesus talks about dealing with the offenders now in matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 for if you give if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you so when you forgive others we are in a position to receive ongoing forgiveness the word trespass refers to the offenses that people have caused you and we all have a list of the offenders that we need to deal with now if you've been dealing with it and forgiving it's helpful but if you never consider it it's time to consider who are the offenders that you have in your life that you're still angry you're still upset and you can't you can't live life peacefully because these are unresolved issues in your life in verse 14 jesus said forgive those who have trespassed and offended us because god has forgiven us of the offenses that we have forgiven him verse 15 but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses so i want to two volunteers here he is an offender to me example just an example and he is christ what does he represent offender what does he represent christ now for whatever reason he had a bad day he speaks very rudely to me and i'm offended the word offend and tra- offend or trespass is the same you crossed the boundary you violated a space you violated my free will or whatever and i'm offended now how do i respond to an offense i make a choice and if i make a choice and says okay today he got away with saying this harsh word today he got away with being insensitive next week i'll catch him next week he must feel the pain of what he said so i wait for that moment soon as i say i say that whatever that meant what happens i become one with him he is an offender and i also become an offender we two offended people and when two offended people come together what they do offend one another that's the world that we live in a world of people which are totally offended and they live live and they live the rest of their life offending other people why did jesus say forgive your offenders or the trespassers he said it because as long as i keep his offense in my heart i become like him his offense shapes my thinking shapes my feelings and my belief and i become like him that's why the one you resent is the one you become the one you resent is the one you resemble because their sin is part of your life and you only reciprocating the sin that was deposited into your life 
And that's why Jesus said, don't allow that to happen. Forgive, release that offense. I make a choice either to react to my offender or, or respond to what Christ is. I have that, that choice. All of us have that choice. We can either look to Christ and say, Christ, you have forgiven me like that servant. You've forgiven me a thousand denarii. 10,000 denarii. And because you've written off and canceled my debt by being merciful and being gracious and forgiving, I look at my offender and I embrace him because I want to be like him. You got my point? The more you respond out of what Christ has done for you, the more you become like Christ. But when you react according to what the offender has done to you, you become another offender. That's all. And there are many Christian offenders. We live in this territory of offense and expect God's blessing. What did Jesus say? If you don't forgive those who offended you, you stop receiving and living in the mercy and the forgiveness of God. Your point of reference must always be Christ and never the offender. And I've only brought one offender on the stage. Some of you may have ten. And all ten offenders have become your master. When you don't deal with the offense in your life, you are allowing that person to be the point of reference of how you live the rest of your life based on that offense. Why do I say point of reference? Because if the offender is going to determine my reaction, my emotions, my thinking, I might as well say, he's my Lord, he's my Lord, he's my Lord. Why? Because he determines how I live life. But if I make Christ the point of my reference, then I make him my Lord, and then I begin to live out everything I've received from Christ. If every Christian lived this way, the world will be a different place. Well, forget the world. The church will be in a different place. The smaller part of the world will be a very different place because we have a constant supply. God's forgiveness, me forgiving. God's mercy, me being merciful. God's gracious, I've been gracious. We're living out our entire life as recipients of God's gifts, only holding on to the responsibility of being givers of the gifts that God has given us, the blessings that God has given us with, with regards to everything God has blessed you with. Have you got the point this morning? What is the choice that we're going to make at the end of the service? Are you going to tear up your debtors list? And you're saying, God, from this day onwards, look at me. No one is in debt to me. No one owes me kindness. Nobody owes me mercy. Nobody owes me. But I have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to be merciful to everyone. The responsibility is to be kind and gracious and forgiving to everyone. That's my responsibility. Never a right. It only takes two responsible people live together as husband and wife. You'll make your marriage work. But as long as you look for what the other person owes you, the further you will go in your relationship with, not only your marriage, in any relationship. But what if you're the offender? We dealt with 
debtors. We looked at the offenders. But what if you are the one causing the offense? You become the offender, not someone else. You are offending other people. And not to say that it's beyond us, okay? All of us are offenders. Be comfortable. We offend people by what we say. We offend people by our attitudes. We offend people by what we do. We are offenders. How does an offender operate? How does, what is his response? His rep- response is repentance. Not forgiveness, repentance. Repentance means turning your mind and turning your actions away from what you did. And you say, God, would you forgive me for the way I spoke? Forgive me for my attitudes. Forgive me for my wrong actions. I repent for the way I treated my brother or treated my fellow worker. I repent. And when you repent, you have one more thing to do. Go back and say, would you please forgive me? You have the humility and the grace to seek their forgiveness because you are the offender. Here's a statement I'd like you to write down. I'll give you a minute. You can write down the statement. Forgiveness will set you free from other people's sin. Repentance will set you free from your own sin. Forgiveness will set you free and keep you free from other people's sin. Repentance will set you free from your own sin. And we must acknowledge the sin that we have committed to other people and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Here is a spiritual principle that Jesus taught concerning the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 6, 36 to 38, I want your whole attention as we look at this principle. This is a kingdom principle. It's a spiritual law that God put into place, which is relevant for us today. Jesus says, therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Can you see the responsibility? Jesus is saying, you be merciful. The standard is the way your father has been merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Look at the guarantee. As you begin to be forgiving, you will be forgiven. You forgive others, you'll be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your bosom, right there in your spirit. God will put that there. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Have you noticed there's not a single word on money there? And so often we hear messages saying, give, put it in the context of money. Now it doesn't, it's not wrong. It's a universal principle. It's a spiritual principle that's applicable to anything. I want this thought to remain with you. We are never debtors before God for what we receive. We are debtors before God for what we give or for what we don't give. And Jesus is saying this. When you receive mercy and you're merciful to others, you want to say this after me? God will give back to me. How much? Pressed, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, you will receive. How many of you want to receive mercy? You don't get mercy by fasting and praying. I wish. That's a far more easier way to get it. You get mercy by learning to give mercy. How do we live in the forgiveness of God? By learning to forgive others. The way Christ forgave you. When you forgive others, what did Jesus say? He will pour back into us 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, you will experience the forgiveness of God in your life. When you are compassionate to others, God will give you a good measure of His compassion, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here's the measurement that Jesus used. You determine the measurement. If you give this much of mercy, that much mercy you will get. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Every Christian is called to be a giver. Do you agree with me? Every Christian is called to be a giver. And the more you give, the more you receive. If there is dryness in your Christian life, if there's a dryness in your financial life, if there's dryness in any area of your life, ask yourself a question. Have you been a responsible giver of what God has given you? If the answer is no, then your supply is no. If you want to live in the abundance of everything that God is and, and you have received, be a giver. Be a giver. You want to be a happy person? Give away some of the joy. Even if it's little bit, give that little bit of joy to someone else. And God says, I will pour it into your bosom, whatever you give. So the best way to keep ourselves alive spiritually, emotionally, physically, is to be givers of what God has destined for you and me. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.